Kevin is in the Big Easy, and New Orleans will never be the same. Broadcasting live from the Hotel Sheraton in downtown New Orleans, here's a special Sunbelt Media Days edition of Footnotes, presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. Here is your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. We are at the Sheridan in downtown New Orleans on Canal Street. And it's going to be normally we kind of ease into a show, but it's going to be a little different today and tomorrow from Sunbelt Conference Football Media Days. We're going to go get cut right to the chase and uh, be interviewing Appalachian State head football coach Sean Clark. How are you, sir? Great, Kevin. I appreciate you having me on the show tonight today, and uh, you know, looking forward to the football season. This was kind of officially kicks it off, and uh, we're down here meeting all these coaches and talking ball, and uh, we're excited for it. I, um, it's going to be an extremely interesting uh, season in the Sun Belt Conference, and when you have four new teams in, I was very intrigued. You know. Coaches say it, and I believe it. Polls don't really mean anything. It's just something to get the the people talking about football, like you just said. And yet, when y'all, when Appalachian State and Georgia Southern first came into the Sun Belt Conference, I'm sh- I think there were some people that were like, "Man, how long was it going to take?" Well, it didn't take very long. I remember the first time App State came to Cajun Field, just physically dominated the football game, and. Do you how how do you kind of assess from memory from that to to the what Old Dominion and James Madison are about to go through? Well, I was not coaching through the transition, but again, I'm an alum from there, so I followed it from afar. It was uh, good friends with Scott Satterfield. We've talked about it several times, but yeah, you know, I think the biggest difference is going to be going from 63 scholarships to 85 scholarships, and that was before the one-time transfer rule. So now with Immediate eligibility when you transfer, I think it's going to be a little quicker for those guys to get caught to date. But, you know, I think you have to go back to, to what made them successful at the FCS level uh, with James Madison. And um, I think they'll surprise some people this year. I've had a chance to watch them early uh, last year, some crossover games. And you know, they have the talent to be successful in our conference. And uh, that's going to be a, a quick, quick turnaround for those guys. Y'all don't have trouble with fan support like some programs do, especially at the mid-major level. And yet it's got to increase the overall interest. Three of the four are, you know, basically in y'all geographic area, at least closer it is than on here. So how, how, how big is that for y'all program? It's huge for our program, for everyone involved in our athletic department. You know, last year we set the single season attendance record uh, for Appalachia State and for the Sun Belt in attendance last year. And this year we already saw it in the North Carolina game. We've already sold all of our season tickets. Uh, we're on the verge of announcing here pretty soon. We've sold, already sold two more games out, family weekend, another game. And, um, but our, we have a very passionate fan base, and they tra- they'll travel well. And, and we, we love coming down to Lafayette and playing Louisiana. It's a great college atmosphere, but our fans can't travel there. It's not easy to get to Lafayette. You, know, you have to drive to Charlotte. It's not easy getting to Boone exactly. either. <laughs> exactly. Um, but you know, our fans can drive to Huntington, West Virginia. It's three and a half hours from Boone. It's four hours from Charlotte. They can drive to James Madison. It's three hours to James Madison. They can drive yeah. to Old Dominion. And, and those regional games, to me, it means something. And I'm a big proponent in that. I wish we played all our non-conference games in-state uh, because, again, you get fans in the stands. Uh, you have fans talking about your program. Um, it's great for our town. And the game, it, you know, 
every game is important because you only get so many football games. But when you're playing someone that the fans know about and they know fans from that school, it means more. It does. And we have history with all three teams. If you go back to, to Marshall, I played there in the early 90s, and they started playing in 86, 87, I believe. And um, those games, were, whoever won that game won the Southern Conference. And we, we've played James Madison in the playoffs for it's win and move on or lose and go home. Right. And we've, we've played Old Dominion three times. And I'll never forget my first year back in Boone. We, uh, we had just played Tennessee, come up with a tough loss, and come back and play Old Dominion. It was a whiteout game. There's 30,000 people in the stands for Old Dominion. And uh, I do, it's, it's great for the athletic departments. It's cost efficient. We're not, we're not trying to charter planes to fly to Idaho or New Mexico State. We can get on a bus, and those are some of my, my best memories in college was hopping on a bus and playing cards with your buddies playing and, and having fun and enjoying things. So I think uh, Commissioner Gill's done a great job with that. I think the Sunbelt's going to be one of the premier – it will be the premier group of uh, five conferences in the country, and I think the East is a very tough, tough side. All right. We're speaking with Appalachian State head football coach Sean Clark. So the whole super senior thing – and transfers what what impact you know i think some teams had a lot of super seniors and some teams are going to probably be a little stronger this year a little and some teams that might hit them next year what impact has the whole super senior thing think had on the conference well i'm not sure where it's going to add right now i think in two years we'll really know mm-hmm. uh but you know, we lost 14 super seniors last year and uh, the Thomas Hennigans, the, uh, the Suttons, the Virgils, all those guys that play a lot of football. Um, but, again, it's the, the one-time transfer that's made it easier to get your roster back. Could you imagine if you lost all those players and yeah. you couldn't uh, have a transfer come in? And, you know, we're a developmental program. Uh, we're not going to go out. We're not going to get the five-star kids, the four-star kids. We want to get the guys that, that really love football and really want to play for Appalachian State. And that's where our brand's built on is, you know, really no one wanted us. And I was one of those back in the early 90s. And we had a chip on our shoulder. We had something to prove. And that's how we wanted to build our team through high school football. I think it's important. I think the high school kids today are really getting the, the wrong end of the stick. They are. <clears throat> and from a business business decision, it's really easier to go out. It's better to go out and get a transfer because they can't transfer again. But we'll, we'll continue to recruit high school kids, and we'll save a, a few scouts just in case, but I do not want to get to us being a, a, a transfer university. How has the one-time transfer treated y'all? In other words, you know, some, some kids, Coach Napier was always good at tactfully saying, sometimes attrition is good. <laughs> and yet, um, you know, there's certain kids you don't really want to lose. So how, how has that treated y'all? Yeah, we really lost one player, uh, T.D. Roof, uh, to the transfer portal. He went to Oklahoma. And his dad's the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma. And he <laughs> yeah. went to play for his dad. So yeah. how do you say no to that? He's, he's a great kid. He represented our university very well. And the other guys that had left, they wanted to play more. And in recruiting, sometimes you miss. They were great kids. Really good with football players, but yeah. they really weren't what we had to have to win a championship. So we gave our blessings when they transferred, and, and we've added eight uh, transfers ourselves, and with four on offense and four in defense. I think for us, what we've done a really good job for this year was really vetting them. We were, I'd be call, if I didn't talk to the head coach and he didn't sign off on them, we wouldn't take them. Mm-hmm. They happened to some really good football players, really good players, but <clears throat> I did not want to hurt that locker room. That's my biggest fear right. in Appalachian State is bringing someone in that – hasn't bought into what we're what we're about. Doesn't want to work hard. Doesn't want to go to school. And so we we made a concerted effort this year to really are they our kind of guys. 
And I told the position coach, if it's on you, if you bring somebody here that's not right, it's on you. Yeah. So that really changed how we did the transfer portal. Y'all, I admire the way y'all play football, run the ball, physical for years, added a little bit more passing. But y'all lost a lot of receivers, got all your running backs back. The Cajuns have almost all their receivers back and have some issues at running back. Over the years, is it which position is it easier to replace? Have you is your experience? Well, been? you know, I would say receivers is the easiest to replace because those, the skill guys, there are thousands of those. Yeah. And that that offensive line, those running, I call it the angry eight. Mm-hmm. You're in a box right there. And that, those are the big guys. That's the physical football. Right. And uh, at our level, you have to de- develop those positions, especially in the offensive line. I mean, I have not, I've only coached one kid in the last 23 years that came in here as star as a true freshman. And he was undersized in Noah Hannon. And, but the rest of it, you have to develop those guys. And, and we have a proven record, a proven way how we want to develop our players to be successful. Uh, but I think receivers be the easiest to replace because there's so many out there. Well, the Cajuns had a guy they started as a freshman, Osiris Torrance, a few years ago, and then he went to Florida, so they're going to miss him. He was humongous. I won't miss him. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, uh, Coach Napier did a great job recruiting and uh, really flipped that program down there. And you have Coach Desmo who's going to come in. He's going to do a terrific job. I have a lot of respect for him. How much – I know, you You know, y'all won for a while. The Cajuns couldn't beat y'all, and they, they kind of won last year. How much fun has that rivalry been and in, in, in the games have been Well, it would be a lot better for us if we won the last two years. But, you know, that did become a good rivalry. Yeah. And uh, Coach Napier, he, he knows our program. He, he played at Furman. He's coached in the southeast. He knows what we're about. And, uh, and he brought his own little flair to it. And uh, uh, that rivalry game has been fun. I remember in 2016 we went to Lafayette and kind of put it on you. Yes. 2017, it was got out of hand, hurry in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And after that, the game started getting closer and closer and closer. You could see, man, listen, this is going to be a battle. And um, again, that to me, that's but that's the fun part about college football to have those great games and the great the the championship game in Lafayette, fantastic, great fans. It was rocking down there. Um, so I look forward to those kind of games. It was fun. The other thing. And you know what it's like because you had a quarterback who started seemingly forever and until last year, and then you have your quarterback back. The Cajuns are going to be without Levi Lewis and having you quarterback for the first time. Talk about that, the advantage that y'all are going to have maybe over a lot of teams with an experienced quarterback back. Well, uh, again, I'm glad Levi's got we, – we still have not tackled him yet. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's a few plays he faked me out out there. But he, he was a fantastic player, and what a great competitor he was. I mean, he really made that team go because when things broke down, he made something happen. Um, what was the second part of that question? I'm sorry. The, the, the advantage that y'all are going to have having a season quarterback where the Cajuns are kind of searching, and a lot other teams are as well. I, I think it's important that anytime you have a, a returning quarter, a returning starter at quarterback that that has been successful and knows your system, then I think you have the upper hand on some things. But, you know, when Chase came in, we didn't have a quarterback. Zach Thomas just left, didn't mm-hmm. tell us to the very end he was leaving. So we had to go out. We were in a hurry. And, and we hit the jackpot with, with Chase, and he came in. And probably the most uh, thing I was most excited about was he really bought into what we were doing. And he had been in Coach Sweeney's system at, at Clemson. He had been in Coach Cutcliffe's system at Duke for one year and came in, and he really came in there and had that it factor. And it wasn't football. It was more about the leadership skills. And our players just flocked to him. And uh, he was, he's very positive. He, he's very competitive. 
and uh, he, he really uh, exemplifies what a Mountaineer is. One more question, Coach. Uh, Levi Lewis, I think he made a lot of – put up a lot of numbers. Teams won a lot of games. But I think the thing that Cajun fans are going to get reminded of this year more than anything, the most important thing about a quarterback is not turning over the football. And I think the reason why the Cajuns have won all the close games they have in recent years is, for instance, last year they had one turnover the last nine games of the season. Hard to, If you're good, it's hard to lose games that way. The importance of a quarterback not turning over the football. That is the number one issue. Number one. If I'm not mistaken, you guys led the country in turnover margin last year. Yeah. If I'm mistaken, but you know, anytime you if you end every position with a kick, you're gonna be successful. And we did a national study when I was at Purdue. If if you were at zero on the turnover margin, your average win was six. And if you went plus five on the turnover margin, your average win was nine games a year. Yeah. And it went up from there. Um, so. I think any time any quarterback, especially in this conference, if you don't turn the football over, you have a chance to win football games. You turn the football over in this conference, you're going to lose. And it, since it I've been here, we, we've only we've lost a turnover battle one time and won the football game since I've been here. It's incredible. It, it's simple, and yet it's not always easy to do. Because y'all, the kind of defense y'all play, and for a while Georgia Southern was playing that kind of defense where it was constantly forcing turnovers, and the Cajuns have gotten better at that. Without question. Keep the ball in front of you on defense. Make, the, make those guys travel the, travel the distance. And most of the time, those coordinators, offensive coordinators, they'll get frustrated and try to do a trick play and screw the thing up. So, <laughs> um, but, again, just, that, that was a great game. I tell you, I, know, uh, I really enjoyed going to Lafayette down there and the great fans they had, and, and it was a really a big-time college atmosphere. Well, who knows? Might be the Cajuns and the Mountaineers once again. That would be fun. We see you come to Boone this year. <laughs> Well, we've done that already. It didn't work so well, Coach. <laughs> we had the year to work for us. <laughs> well, Coach, I appreciate your time very much and uh, look forward to uh, following this season and, and following you all from afar. I don't get to play this year, maybe in the finals. Okay, Kevin, I appreciate having me on here talking ball again. Look, look forward to seeing you guys in December, okay? All right, Coach Sean Clark, thank you very much. We will take a commercial break. Um, and we'll come back with more on KDNA Sports Station 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to know what went down today in New Orleans at Sunbelt Media Days? Not to worry, the game has you covered. Back to more of the game's Sunbelt Media Days coverage, presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands, here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foote. We are at the Sheridan in New Orleans for Sunbelt Conference Football Media Days. And we want to remind you, if you would like to win Astro tickets against the Baltimore Orioles on August the 27th, you simply need to join the game clubhouse if you do so, you could win four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and free hotel accommodations from La Meridian. Astro Weekend Getaways presented by Butcher Air Condition, La Meridian, Houston Downtown, and Southwest Louisiana Sports Leader, Cadiana Sports, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. All right, we have with us one of the coaches I'm looking forward to uh, inter uh, in talking to, Kirk Sinetti from... James Madison. First of all, when I saw that name, I'm a Saints fan. Uh, your brother used to coach for the Saints, right? That's correct. That would be my younger brother, Frank, and uh, he's probably got 12 to 15 years in the league. He's a pit now as the offense coordinator, but uh, 
He was there with Hazlitt and Aaron Brooks. They had that one good run. I think they went to won a couple playoff Play games. Yeah, that him. yeah, that's my younger. I and I saw that name. I said, I, I, I said, that has got to be. That's not. <laughs> it got got to be. So, I mean, football in your family, like, was your dad the influence? Where did that come from? Oh yeah, no doubt about it. He was a coach, a very successful coach, and uh, you know he succeeded Bowden at West Virginia and then he came down with cancer was given his last rights twice beat it had to get out the football for about three years went to his alma mater at D2 school stayed about 30 years he's a college football hall of fame so two boys in the family and two girls I'm the oldest and uh, really never had a chance it was coaching all the way <laughs> are you worried about the direction of someone who's kind of been a lifer in in the sport especially at the collegiate level of where we're going, or are you not really? You think too many people are worried about the about future the of college football. football? Yeah, I think we're in a very precarious spot right now, and uh, nobody has the power to influence it and get it back on track. Uh, I think you're going to see significant change in the next two years from the NCAA, who's fighting just to exist, very student-athlete friendly. And then uh, when the dust settles about two years from now, it's going to be pretty interesting. Uh, right now, you know, as a coach, you know, adjust, adapt, improvise, and overcome because every day is different. Roster fluidity is a thing, NIL. I mean, you got a really good player at the G5 level, good luck. <laughs> Try to keep them on your roster next year. Uh, that's just where we're at. Y'all are – Cajun fans are going to get to try to know at some point some of the teams from the East, but y'all are going into a situation that sounds like a little bit like the Cajuns, that you had a highly successful quarterback. The Cajuns had Levi Lewis start for three years, and he's not going to be the quarterback. Talk about how do you move on and get yeah. to a new quarterback there. Well, you know, I've been fortunate in my head coaching career. Our quarterbacks have been pretty good. And when I took the job here in 19. We had a quarterback whose last name was Danucci. He's with the Cowboys now. Nobody thought he could play. He had a lot of skeptics because he turned the ball over a lot in 18. Mm -hmm. So we fixed him, and he's player of the year in the conference. Cole Johnson takes over for Danucci. And, again, the fan base, uh, you know, people close. Uh, he, he's not good enough. He can't play. Uh, he throws 41 touchdowns and four interceptions. So... We did bring a transfer in to start last year. Colorado State's a one-year guy, threw for 3,300, ran for 600. My backup last year was a true freshman. He can wing it. And then I got a high school guy came in in January that we're really, really high on. So I got confidence in all three of them. I'm more concerned about who we're going to throw to than who's throwing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, we'll see. I remember – and I, all the years kind of come together. When Appalachian State first came into the Sunbelt Conference with Georgia Southern, you know, I remember Appalachian State came to Cajun Field for the first time and just played that brand of football. They played physical and just ran the ball right down the Cajun's throat. And you could tell that was a big moment for them. And it didn't take – what are your – is it easier now – smooth transition I think uh, you know four years ago if a guy now they can transfer sideways they get paid to transfer sideways and they can poach your roster and pay your guys too yeah <laughs> so that's <laughs> let's face it yeah you know it's, it's a different ball game yeah now 
our brand is very strong. We got good stuff. We got a beautiful campus. We got facilities. We got championship culture. There is no doubt, and it's a football town. You know what I mean? We sell the stadium out every week or come close to it, and it's a great environment. I have no doubt in my mind in a matter of time, JMU is going to be there and is always going to be there and only going to get better and better. The question is, how long is it going to take? You know what I mean? So what's your biggest, in term, obviously you know what you've got coming back. I'm sure you've gotten to know or already had a pretty good idea with the apps of the world or like uh, in your league, we – they call they a lot of people around the country play what I call seven on seven football. That is not the case with Georgia State and Appalachian State. Georgia State plays physical, run down your throat football, and Appalachian State's throwing a little more. So, how do y'all match up with those teams from what you know you have coming back? Well, that's a good question, and and we were really have been more of that kind of team during my head coaching career. This is year twelve and year forty overall. Is you know we're going to run the ball at you, you know what I mean, and try to break your wheel. Now, last year we had to adjust because of injuries on the offensive line and at running back, and we had a veteran quarterback and good receivers, and we ended up, you know, being a little different than we had been. Yeah. Okay, but in answer to your question, you know, uh, like Sean at Georgia, they won seven of their last eight. And if he could run inside zone every single play and then throw a dump pass or something, that, that's what he'd love to do. And App State's going to run outside zone at you and then hard play action pass. You know, I, th- I like our D-line. I think we can hold up there. I, got, I probably got a few other positions on defense I'm a little bit more concerned about. Uh, I think our offensive line will be back and improve. We've got to run the ball better this year than we did last, last year. was the first year, really, we ever struggled to run the ball since I've been a head coach. You know, we've always been, like, in the top ten in the country. You know what I mean? Right. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think in general all those teams are good. Like, you know, ODU is picked last. They won five of their last six games. Right. Come on. <clears throat> and Marshall's running back was – I was the Cajuns played him in the New Orleans Bowl. I was very impressed with him. He's as good as any back I've seen on tape at any level in college football. I mean, very slippery. Yeah. And good. by the way, just a little – I'm sure you already know this, but when you play Georgia State, watch out. They run and run and run, and then they hit that tight end down oh, the yeah. field. He's a good tight end. Yeah, I think he's gone, isn't he? <laughs> Well, they, they, so. well, they well they've had they had two of them that were pretty good. I think one of them's back, but but uh, yeah, but I, I've just been very impressed with them. Yeah, no question about it. So, um, when you see a poll and you see them pick you six, y'all aren't used to being picked sixth in anything. So, what does that do? I'm sure that puts a little things on the bulletin board for y'all. Yeah, I think so. You know, uh, I, I mean, it's sort of expected uh, because there's a lot of good programs in the East that have been good for a long time and uh you know nobody really knows what's going to happen i mean the only time that i've ever been picked like that was my first year at elon uh which you know they were like seven and 45 when i took the job right and our first year we're eight and one after nine games and played jmu for the conference championship (laughs) so that's the only time i've ever been picked that low uh, but, you know, we're, we just want to get better every day and prepare as well as we can, give ourselves the best chance and see where it shakes out. I do believe we'll be highly competitive in every single game. And so how exciting, you know, with all these changes in the world, I can remember not that long ago a lot of people were like, man, the Cages need to get another conference. Where can they go? Where can they go? Well, the Sun Belt has established itself now in this world of shifting is about as good a mid-major conference as you're going to be, and that's got to be exciting. I think there's no question about it. It just gets better and better every year. 
you know, and as college football changes, you know, the, the, the Sun Belt's going to change too, for, I think, for the better. And, uh, you know, Commissioner Gill's done a great job of leading the program and positioning it. You know, we had, JMU had other options and chose this, and uh, I think it really kind of pieced together very well. Geographically, y'all are obviously a long way from Lafayette. And do you know, like, when is the Cajuns ever going to play JMU? Yeah. Well, I think, that, <laughs> you know, we're always going to play everybody in the East, and you're always going to play everybody in the, in the West. West. Yeah. And then this year we're going to play two teams in the West, one at home, one away. And then next year we'll play two different teams, not the same teams, <laughs> one at home, one away. So uh, in the next three years, we're going to see each other. It, it makes it exciting to see new people, I, I think. think. so, yeah. It's good. It'd be great. Now, come on up to our place before we come to yours. <laughs> All right. So what is um, – you, you mentioned the Cajuns played Rice. You coached at Rice and you coached at Pitt. Pitt. Yeah. And so you've played the Cajuns twice before. Oh, yeah. Well, like, you know, everybody loves to have a great quarterback. So in 1987, Rice wasn't very good, but usually hadn't been very good. But, you know, a guy by last name of Mitchell was quarterback. Right. For Southwest Louisiana. <laughs> yeah. And that was a long day for the Rice House. <laughs> and then in, uh, I believe it was 1996, I think, uh, Walt Harris's first game as head coach at Pitt. Nelson Stokely was still the head coach. Yeah. Son may have been on that team. I, I do believe we won at Pitt that Yes, night. absolutely. Well, Coach, I appreciate Nice to meet you, getting to know you, and we look forward to following y'all program this year. Thank you very much. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Kurt Signetti. Kurt Signetti, the head football coach at James Madison. They won 12 games last year, and they picked, got picked six in the league, and I do not think they're going to finish as low as six. I, that would be uh, surprising to me, but that's why we have polls, and that's why we play football. We appreciate um, – those coaches coming on and helping us out a little bit in the 10 o'clock hour. We will be speaking with Georgia State head coach Sean Elliott and Charles Huff from Marshall. So looking forward to that. For now, we will take a timeout, come back, talk more to you from Sunbelt Conference Media Days at the Sheridan downtown New Orleans on Canal Street. We'll be back with footnotes in Acadiana Sports Channel, 1037 Lafayette, 104 one Lake Charles, you're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Just because we're in New Orleans doesn't mean we don't want to hear from you. Call the game hotline at 337-706-0111 or comment on our Facebook page. Back to more of the game Sunbelt Media Days coverage presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game from Katie South Sports Station. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are speaking from the Sheridan, downtown New Orleans on Canal Street, Sunbelt Conference Media Days. We've just interviewed Appalachian State head coach Sean Clark and Kurt Signetti from James Madison, kind of the, um, well, they used to be new, but now they're kind of the old guard, and Coach Signetti, kind of the new guard joining the Sunbelt Conference. As I said, James Madison was picked six. They won 12 games last year. Now, they got a new quarterback, as he talked about, and 
He sounds like he's got some issues at wide receiver that they've got to work out. Didn't run the ball quite as well as they normally do, he said a year ago, and yet they still had a, a running back who rushed for 900 and something yards. It wasn't like they didn't run the ball at all. Kind of like, uh, um, you know, Arkansas State didn't run the ball very well, and there were some other schools that didn't run the ball. ULM didn't run the ball very well last year either. But um, so they ran the ball not as like they used to, but still a little bit more than some other schools. But, you know, when you look, I, I just, it's hard for me to believe that a team that won 12 games last year, even though it was technically at a lower level, is going to finish sixth. But we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. The way the, the Sunbelt Conference um, – the way the Sunbelt Conference – polls work it, it it's tricky because you don't you know you don't know when you lose players who's going to do well and not do well you heard coach Signetti talk about how two quarterbacks ago at JMU how the the public perception was that they were he was going to struggle he turned the ball over too much the year before and he as he said they they corrected him and he turned out to be great and his turnover woes left so you never know when coaching and players or how they're going to mesh. I say all that to say it's kind of interesting. You look, you know, the Cajuns are the defending conference champions. The Cajuns are picked to win the division in the West again. Doesn't mean they're going to, but they're picked. They had no players on offense, first or second team. None. Zero. Cajuns didn't have one wide receiver. They didn't have a quarterback well, which is not a surprise. Didn't have a running back. Didn't have an offensive lineman. First or second team. Now it's a little different now because you got 14 teams as opposed to 10, but still not a single offensive player, first or second team, which I thought was interesting. And only three defensive players as good as the defense has played in recent years. Now special teams, the Cajuns certainly. Um, you know, you have the punter, and you have they, they, they honored Chris Smith as a first-team all-purpose back, uh, which includes, to be fair, some of, you know, his job as a running back and was the Cajuns' leading rusher on a balanced um, running back core last year. But, no, I, I thought that was very interesting, the way the, the all-conference, uh, preseason all-conference team worked out as well as the, um, the poll. I... I I think if South Alabama figures it out, they're going to be tough to beat. Now, um, and we'll be talking more about them when the today is kind of the East and tomorrow is the West. Well, um, South Alabama could have won more games last year. They just couldn't finish. It was all about finishing. We mentioned that a little bit yesterday, so we'll see what they do. But one of the things that I like about – the way well, there's a lot of things in terms of conference realignment and all of that that's going in the Sunbelt Conference. But one of the things that I do like is we were talking with Coach Kurt Signetti about it in the last um, segment is there's a lot of you look at the teams picked first, second, third in each of the uh, leagues, and a couple of them are what I call play, you know, spread a little bit more on the finesse side of football. But Appalachian State, even though they threw it a little bit more last year because they had 
a passing quarterback and some really good wide experienced wide receivers, they the, the core is still running the football. Uh, Coastal has a quarterback. They're a little more on the finesse side, but Georgia State is power football. Uh, Marshall, the center of their team, is running the football with a 1,400-yard rusher. Um, and Georgia Southern always was running the football, and they're going to try to switch it up this year. So it's going to be <coughs> it's going to be very interesting uh, this season to see how power football in an era of seven on seven everywhere kind of is going to dominate this league still. And I think the Cajuns, I think the Cajuns are going to try to be a little bit more of a big play team at times this season because they have a lot of uh, wide receivers back. And, and, you know, we'll see how it plays out at quarterback, but their quarterbacks, you know, are going to have the arm strength to stretch the field a little bit. And so, but, but still the core of the Cajuns team is going to be running the football. I don't, I don't, I don't think there's any question about that. So, um, and again, we'll be talking a little bit more about the Cajuns in the next hour in the, uh, tomorrow. I mean, but, uh, when the West would be here, but, um, I think the big, you look at the Cajun schedule and you can make the argument that the biggest game on the Cajun schedule is going to be a Wednesday game at Marshall. And again, we're going to be talking, talking with coach Huff of Marshall, uh, in about a half hour or so, but it, it is a, um, that, that, that could be a, a tricky game. That's a place. I, I was joking with Raymond on the way up. Like, I wonder if you go to Marshall, they just play the, you go to the hotels in, in that town and they just play We Are Marshall over and over again. <laughs> kind of like replay over and over again. And I love that movie, so I wouldn't mind that at all. But it's, um, it, it, it's a program that's got history. And, you know, Georgia State didn't have any history, and it's developing. Appalachian State's been having history for a long time. Georgia Southern's been having history for a long time. James Madison's been having history for a long time. And then you got Old Dominion. You know, Cajun fans are going to get to know them. That's a program in Old Dominion that they, back in uh, 2016, they won 10 games. And then, then they struggled for a few years. And then they came back and had a not, another nice season. And then they struggled. And then last year they started out, um, what, 0-5 and ended the season on a five-game winning streak and went 6-7. and seven. So Old Dominion has been about as roller coaster of a program as you can have over the last six or seven years. And so, you know, we see it's hard to know exactly what, what they're going to be. And I'm sure that's a big reason why they were picked to finish last but again they were picked to finish last they won six games last year and they and they've won five in a row and you heard coach Signetti kind of well, I don't know if they're going to be finishing last either so we'll see I, I I think the I think the way it's worked out for the Cajuns when you look at this conference uh, I think Troy might surprise some people I think you know Troy's got a lot of personnel back Troy's got about as many people on this all comp preseason all conference used to joke about Van Tiffin was the kicker of Alabama for 12 years, it seemed like. That cat's turning into the Van Kiffin of, of Sunbelt football, Carlton Marshall. That guy's been playing forever. It, 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 it's, um, so we'll see how, um, how they do with a new coach and Coach Summerall, and, and, and they um, 
seemingly have on paper maybe the best defense in in coming in uh, in the whole conference potentially. Although, you know, you never can look past what the Cajuns do defensively, what App does defensively, and even Georgia State. But I, um, on paper, you could argue they have the best defense in the conference coming back, and if they. Figure out some things on offense. Another team, like I mentioned earlier, didn't they don't run the, they didn't run the football very well. And you got to be able to run the football. They assert that Texas State doesn't run it enough. Troy doesn't run it enough. Arkansas State doesn't run it enough. ULM doesn't run it enough. So that's four to seven teams in the Western Division, in my opinion. They they just not good enough at running the football. It puts way too much pressure on your passing game. Like Arkansas State has thrown the ball over the last 10 years like any better than anybody. But you got to be able to run it some. And and they have they, – uh, it's hard to keep the turnovers down if you don't run the football. And so we'll see – One of the, that's a thing that I can see in the Eastern Conference, Eastern Division over the West is it seems like you've got more programs – that are into running the football. You know, Texas Tech, Texas State, I should say, has just been way too finesse, way too many turnovers. Arkansas State, way too many turnovers. And um, and ULM, you know, they were in a, they, they've had the same issue, just not enough controlling the line of scrimmage. And, and, and you know, that it it's hard to win it if, if you can't do that. Now, one of the things that, the Sun Belt boast about that I think is interesting, and I don't really, I don't know if I know how to explain it. Like the overall, so ULM last year was one of the least penalized teams in the entire country. Now, when you think about penalties, you're thinking, well, it takes discipline to not get penalties. I guess you have to do a good job of having what they call control aggression. I mean, you don't want to be tentative. Coach Napier used to say all the time he's okay with certain kind of penalties that have to do with aggression, just not with, you know, your mind not being in the game. You don't want to deal with that, but you want to be aggressive. But the Sunbelt Conference of all the conferences in America had the fewest penalties last two seasons. Kind of strange the way that that's worked worked out, and it's it's hard to explain why, but it it it, it has to be somewhat of an indication of. Um, Discipline and coaching. I mean, um, you know, you can get a bunch of personal foul penalties, but usually a team that gets an over amount of or, or heavily penalized is a lot of what you would call mind penalties, jumping off sides and illegal procedure and delay of game and things like that, which are more mental things that cause penalties. But interesting the way that's worked out. But Again, when you look at these two divisions, it's, I mean, the East just looks so much deeper. And every team has question marks. You heard even Appalachian State picked by many to win the league. Um, They still have question marks, but um, not nearly as many. They have a history of winning, no question about that. And it it makes a big difference, and they do, they, you know, it also helps having the same coaching staff where you have that transfer from one to the other, which is, I think, a big reason why 
the Cajuns didn't change coaches. I mean, they just coming off the best three-year stretch in the history of the program. Why would you want to change everything, I think, as part of what uh, the Cajun administration uh, wanted to, to maintain as much as possible? And, you know, it's very similar to what we said about the Saints. <clears throat> uh, talking about that yesterday is when you when you promote from within, if you can get a qualified coach, they you can extend the the that level of consistency that that sometimes you kind of don't get extended when you get a brand new coach coming in from somewhere else and you get a brand new coaching staff and you kind of start from scratch. So we'll see how all that plays out in terms of um, you know how the Cajuns do. Um, in um in georgia southern which is decided that the old way is not good anymore and so they're going to go with more of a spread attack with coach helton so it'll be interesting to monitor those programs as we go into this season all right let's take a time out when we come back we'll finish out the first hour here from sunbelt conference media days in new orleans at the sheridan hotel and then we'll st get to the 10 o'clock hour where we'll get to talk to georgia state coach um, Sean Elliott and Coach Huff from Marshall um, in the 10 o'clock hour. We'll take a timeout. We'll be back on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 26, 1988. Philadelphia Philly slugger Mike Schmidt sets a National League record, appearing in 2,155 games at third base. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Want to thank our sponsors, Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands, for our coverage out here of Sunbelt Conference Media Days. Well, we're going to be, we talked to two coaches in the first hour, hoping to talk to two coaches tomorrow. Again, today is the Eastern Conference teams. And tomorrow we'll be talking to coaches from the Western Conference, including, obviously, Coach Dez and the Cajuns and um, also hoping to talk to a couple other coaches as well as Commissioner Gill. So exciting time for the Sunbelt Conference. While a lot of teams are heading in their own direction, it certainly seems like uh, a lot of teams and conferences headed in their own direction. It sure seems like the Cajuns or headed in the right direction, want to remind you we would like for you to join the new Game Text Club, which gets you eligible to win an Apple Watch and all kind of other great prizes, including Astro tickets. To join the new Text Club, you simply need to text uh, to 283-8100. Text GAME to 283-8100. That will make you eligible to win an Apple Watch and all kind of other great prizes, including Astro tickets, as we said. All right, so we're trying to figure out again, if you did not see uh, the poll that came out 
yesterday. Appalachian State was picked to win the Eastern Conference, followed by Coastal Carolina, Georgia State. Marshall was fourth, Georgia Southern fifth, James Madison sixth, Old Dominion seventh. James Madison, again, as we said, won 12 games, was picked sixth. Hmm. In the Western Conference, the Cajuns picked to, to finish first, followed by South Alabama, Troy, Texas State, Southern Miss, Arkansas State, and ULM. You know, Southern Miss is a team, a program that really struggled last year. They couldn't find a quarterback. They played six different quarterbacks, and they weren't even all quarterbacks. They kind of ran out. So a lot, huge question mark for them, and yet they were picked to, to finish ahead of two teams. So we'll see how that plays out this fall. All right, that'll do it for the first hour, another hour to follow on footnotes, and we'll start out the hour talking with Georgia State head coach Sean Elliott. We'll be back on the game. Katiana Sports Station 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles. Looking to buy, sell, or invest? Look no further than Next Home Cutting Edge Realty. With Kevin is in the Big Easy. And New Orleans will never be the same. Broadcasting live from the Hotel Sheraton in downtown New Orleans, here's a special Sunbelt Media Days edition of Footnotes, presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. Here is your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Again, we are out in New Orleans at the Sheridan Sunbelt Conference Media Days and a little bit different. Normally, we kind of ease into the hour, but like we did an hour ago, we're going to hit the ground running right at the top of the hour. We have with us Georgia State head football coach, Sean Elliott. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? Doing well. Um, I got to tell you, a year ago, about this time, I was telling everybody, y'all need to watch out for Georgia State. Y'all need, I, I think everybody's sleeping on this team. Well, the season gets going, and y'all are getting outscored by a lot, and you get off to a one and four start, and people are starting to look at me like, what, what were you talking about? And then by the end of the year, I said, I told y'all. So tell us a little bit about that transition from one and four to finishing with eight wins. Well, I mean, uh... We started off with a non-conference schedule that's pretty tough. Yeah. Uh, when you open up and, you know, you, just our first four games, I believe we played Auburn, we played North Carolina, we played Army to open up the season, we played Charlotte. So, yeah, it was a tough, and then I think Appalachian State was our first conference game from a year ago. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a tough schedule to manage. It, it really was. And, you know, I, I knew we had a pretty good football team. Um, we had some things happen in those first four or five games that we had to correct and get kind of get a better footing on. We, we made a change in our quarterback position. We made a change in our starting running back position and um, kind of took off from there once we made the change. Um, inserted Darren Granger as, a, as, our, as our quarterback. And I think we won seven of the left, uh, last eight, seven out of the last eight. Um, you know, that's an attribute to a strong-minded football team. We, we had a really good group that, uh, you know, the adversity that we faced in the, in the first four or five games, we didn't let it get to them because they knew exactly what time, type of team we had. So, uh, yeah, it was hard to manage, but we came out on top. And so. What is it that Darren Granger brought to y'all that wasn't happening and allowed y'all to have that kind of success? Well, going into last season, we had a starting quarterback. And uh, he was a very successful starting quarterback. And sometimes the success uh, gets to you a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I think, in a sense, it, it had gotten to him, our, our former quarterback. And, 
uh, for whatever reason, it just wasn't working out for him. Uh, he was struggling. He was, um, I won't say hard to coach at, at times, but just things didn't work out. And we just said, hey, you know, we're going to have to make a change. We made a change. And the one thing that we loved about Darren was Darren's kind of a happy-go-lucky guy. He never has a bad day. Uh, he doesn't let the highs get too high. He doesn't let the lows get too lows. And he could manage the game for us. And our, 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 our kids rallied around him. I mean, they, they, they wanted to play for a guy like that. And when he took over, you could see, kind of see the spark in our, in our offense, the spark in our football team, and, and uh, we excel. So, you know, the Cajuns had Levi Lewis the last three years, and they're yep. going in a different direction. Uh, we talked to Coach from James Madison, Coach Signetti, and they're, they're having a looking for a new quarterback. Is that leadership quality, is that even more important than the actual skill set for a quarterback for you, or how do you look at that? Uh, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not one to sit here and say that your quarterback has to be the leader. Uh, there's a lot of great leaders on our football team, but your quarterback has to be someone that your team looks up to. Uh, extremely hard work, extremely uh, the, the intelligence factor, the know-how, uh, the no-way, to kind of just to be the winner, somebody that they rally around. Now, he doesn't have to be the vocal guy. Uh, we're a no-huddle offense, so there's not a whole lot of speaking. It's not one of yeah. those things that uh, they got to get in the huddle and look into his eyes and knows he's going to win for you. Right. Uh, but you gotta you got to have a lot of respect for that position. All right, so y'all are in the East, and we were just chatting a few words right before you got on the air. Three of the four new teams in our conference yeah. are in, in your division. And so is there somewhat of an unknown there? I mean, more than even last year going into it? Yeah, I mean, certainly there is. I mean, you, you look at Marshall, you look at Old Dominion, you look at James Madison. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I didn't spend a whole lot of the offseason paying attention to those teams. So. Yeah. When we get ready to play them, we're going to spend a lot more time on them. But so there's the unknown. There's three in the East. I mean, that's three new opponents. Yeah. Uh, it's not like somebody you've seen three or four years now. It, right. They're all brand new. So there's a, an element to, uh, uh, you know, I guess the surprise. But, we, you know, we play them towards the, the latter half of the season. So we're going to have seen them quite often. Uh, and by the time we do, hopefully they're a lot more familiar than they are now. <laughs> so one of the things that I still think it's good, I Look, I, you got to, you know, there's seven-on-seven seven stuff going all over the country and the spread's taking over. This isn't 1980-something anymore. And yet you look at the teams that were picked, at Appalachian State picked to win again. They throw the ball more last year, but they still run the football. Y'all are a physical running team. The Cajuns have won all these games in the last few years because of their offensive line and being able to run the yeah. football and be physical. This is still a physical league for the teams that are having success anyway, it seems like. I think, I think so. Uh, I think you look at the teams with the most success. They have uh, the better offensive lines in the conference. Um, they control the line of scrimmage. They're physical. They're powerful. Uh, and sometimes they can just push you around. Um, I still love that brand of football. Uh, you know, it is still we, – we, we play at a faster pace. Uh, we don't huddle, uh, but we still value the – uh, running the football, what it can do for you, what it can do for your team, what it can do for your defense. Uh, we're always going to do that. I coached the offensive line for a long, long time, and uh, I'm a firm believer in how 
that really uh, can control a football game. What about that offensive line? What does it look like going into this season for y'all? Well, we have uh, four or five starters returning, a very veteran group. Uh, we've got a guy that uh, will take the place of our all-conference guard from a year ago that we feel very, very comfortable with. Uh, so we're, we're pretty solid. We've got a lot of starts up under our belt. Um, I think <laughs> it seems like they've all been there since I, I first walked in six years ago. Your running back last year that ended up being, um, you know, one of y'all where y'all leading rusher was so physical. And yet the other thing that in y'all running game is you have a quarterback that really adds to your running game. How big? That's got to be a huge benefit. Yeah, you know, um, we do. Uh, Tucker Gregg's a, a running back for us. He was our leading rusher a year ago. He is a powerful guy. I mean, he's a. I was impressed with he, him. He's a John Riggins, Larry yeah. Zonka type guy. Yeah. Uh, hard work, stronger than you can ever imagine. Um, and then we have a quarterback as well that has legs that can get out on the edge and do some perimeter stuff, whether you're running the option or the triple option or whatever you may need, the scramble ability. Uh, both those guys complement one another. Uh, we have two or three other running backs that are, are as capable as well. So uh, it, to have the feet like we have, <laughs> we feel pretty good. It's good. Yeah. All right, so, Coach, w w what's the key? Y'all were picked to finish third in the East. I was just talking with uh, Jay Walker, the voice of the Cajuns, and then we were both saying, man, I w wouldn't count out that Georgia State team. Like, what, if y'all are going to make a run at the division title, w what's the key for y'all this year? Well, we've got to first uh, handle a non-conference schedule. We, we've got to stay healthy just like all teams do. Uh, we got to keep our heads straight. I mean, uh, a lot of teams, uh, they, they tend to get too high on the highs and too lows on the lows. If we can just stay the course and continue doing the things that we've done, we feel like we'll be there in the end. I think we were a couple games short a year ago, played a close game in Louisiana down there at their place on a Thursday night and came up a little bit short. Um, you know, our football is still growing. We're just 13 years old, and I say just 13 years old, uh, and, and we're finally getting ready to start competing for the conference championships. Uh, if we stay the course, I think we might have a chance. Well, Coach, we appreciate it very much. Good luck to you all. Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate Thank you. Georgia State head football coach, Sean Elliott, and no, his, his team played physical ball. If you were at Cajun Field last year, and even two years ago, you know, the Cajuns were very fortunate to beat them in Atlanta two years ago. Went into overtime, and Elijah Mitchell runs in the touchdown. Thank you, Coach. Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, um, but, no, the Cajuns really have – the Georgia State games have been a lot closer than I think some people remember. And it was a very physical game last year. Definitely could have went the other direction. Very physical the year before that could have went in a different direction. All right, we'll take a timeout. We have with us coming up next after this timeout, Marshall head football coach Charles Huff will be talking to him. We got to know him and his team a little bit of the New Orleans Bowl last year, and now they're full-fledged members of the Sunbelt Conference on the east side, and we'll talk more about the Thunder and Herd and the future of the conference next with Coach Huff. We'll be back on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles. Katiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Time for us to head back down to the Big Easy for more of the game Sunbelt Media Days coverage. Presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Ooh. 
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot. we are at the Sheridan in downtown New Orleans on Canal Street for Sunbelt Conference Football Media Days. We have with us Marshall Head Football Coach Charles Huff. How are you, sir? I am doing great, man. It's not um, every year you get to start the new season in the same city you ended the last season. So I'm happy to be back here um, in New Orleans and excited to get this season rolling. Coach Huff. Thunder and Herd played the Cajuns, as you remember, in the New Orleans Bowl last year. Now he's back in New Orleans for Sunbelt Conference Media Days as a member of the Sunbelt Conference. So, so much new. I mean, y'all are new into the conference, but you're in a division with two other teams that are new in the conference in addition to Southern Miss joining. So is it – it's got to be exciting, no question, but – in terms of preparation, is it a little tricky with all this newness? Yeah, you know, I think, again, what, what it forces you to do is focus on yourself. You know, you, you can't really, you know, go off of history of, well, we played this team in years in the past, and this team traditionally does this or that. I think you got to focus on making sure that you're prepared, making sure that you're practicing and preparing and executing on game day with the right focus and mentality and determination. And to me, again, the competition level across the board in this conference is going to force us to raise our level. Was it an advantage, however, to play the Cajuns in the bowl game last year? Not only did you obviously get to know a lot about the Cajuns and how they play, but I'm sure you've studied film and the games that they played. So did that kind of get the ball rolling a little bit in terms of preparation for this season? Well, what I think it did was it showed us, um, you know, from a roster management standpoint, how we needed to prepare. Uh, when we showed up in New Orleans last year, we only had six healthy defensive linemen. Um, and if you watch that game in the beginning, it was really competitive. And yes. then towards the end of the game, the, the size and physicality of, you know, a team like Lafayette, you know, weighed on us. So moving forward, we knew we had to create more depth in our roster, you know. So that's why we ended up bringing 48 new players in, 24 high school guys, 24 transfers to improve the depth. Uh, we had good players last year. We just didn't have enough of them. Um, and I think one thing about this conference is you got to have the depth to sustain the, the 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 grind of the schedule, you know, because it's not just well, hey, we play Lafayette and they're built really good and they're physical and they're they're got good size. You know, we turn right around and we play at, we turn right around and we play coastal, you know, and and then the schools that traditionally aren't ranked in the top 25 are good programs too. You know, Troy's a good program, Georgia State's a good program, Georgia Southern's a good program. So, again, in order to sustain, you know, the the the, the grind of the season, we had to build our roster different. So, playing at and playing Lafayette last year helped us see that as we prepared to move forward. All right, so y'all are in a similar situation. Uh, I talked to Coach Signetti from James Madison. They're looking for a new quarterback. The Cajuns don't have Levi Lewis anymore for the first time in three or four, three and a half years or so. I so love him, but I won't miss him. <laughs> yeah, looking for a new quarterback. Y'all have a transfer quarterback in, and a couple other schools in the, program, in the, in the conference do. What do you look for? Okay, we, if you, once you determine, okay, we need to get a quarterback, we're going to look into transfer, what do you look for in that transfer quarterback that, to fit in? Well, initially for us, it's it's consistency and execution, right? You know, him being able to consistently go out and perform at a high level. Um, you know, we were lucky enough to get Henry Columbia, who's the second all-time winningest quarterback in Texas Tech history, um, behind a young man named Patrick Mahomes. Now, does that make him Patrick yeah. Mahomes? No, <laughs> but the consistency in performance is what we're looking for. Yeah. And then you're looking for someone who can come in and be the quarterback of the team. I think there's a difference between being a quarterback on the team and being the quarterback 
of the team. You know, I think being the quarterback of the team is leadership. It's accountability. It's building relationships with all the players on the team. It's taking ownership of, you know, summer workouts, summer seven on seven. It's all of those things, not just I'm a quarterback. You know, I, I throw the ball. Um, so, you know, Henry Henry showed those skills. You know, I think also for us, um, you know, Cam Fancher, who we had recruited, who was a freshman who did not get to play a lot, you know, last year because we had Grant Wells who, who moved on. Um, he got all spring. He got all the reps during the spring because he was really the only quarterback returning, uh, which for him – expedited his maturation. So we feel really, really good about two of our guys from a, uh, from a physical standpoint. Um, obviously, Henry has the upper leg on the experience, which to me, going into a league like this, you need some experience of playing in a high level. Um, but we feel good moving forward with two guys we have. What about the offensive line? You obviously have arguably the best running back coming back in the league, and he was very impressive in the New Orleans Bowl, but it all starts up front. How, how would a transfer, your first-year quarterback in your program and an elite running back, what about the offensive line? You know, again, when, when you start talking about, you know, the quarterback position, um, quarterbacks are only good as the pieces around them. You know, and, and one of those pieces obviously is the offensive line. So we had to go out and add two transfers because we lost some, some veteran leadership. Uh, we were able to bring in some high school guys, but they're going to need time to, to develop. So we had to go out and get some immediate help. I think that's where there is a positive in the transfer portal. Uh, we were able to go out and get some immediate help. So now we feel comfortable with the guys we have. Um, the other part of it is, you know, you, you, you can't predict injury. So you got to have some guys behind those guys. Um, so we were able to go out and create a little bit of depth. To me, when you create depth, you not only improve, you know, the, 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 the players on the roster, but you improve the competition level. And if we can compete better in practice, if our better O-line can go against our better D-line more often in practice, that's going to prepare us for a tough game like, you know, Lafayette or App or Coastal or Troy or whoever may be on our schedule. Um, you know, but to me, it starts in practice. And in order to do that, you need better players in practice. And we were able to go out and do that with, with bringing in a bunch of different um, high school guys and transfer portal guys combined. What about on the defensive side? I mean, you mentioned that y'all didn't have enough defensive linemen. And, I mean, again, you, this is a line of scrimmage league. Even though we're in a kind of more of a finesse area era overall with all this seven-on-seven seven going on all over the country, it's still a line of scrimmage conference. Yeah, I mean, the game, the game of football is still as pure in its purest form. I know the landscape is changing and everyone's worried about you know, the players unionizing and all that. At the end of the day on Saturday afternoon, it starts up front. That, that's point blank period. And, and, and for us, being able to go out and bring in some transfers up front to not only create some depth but bring in some experience. You know, we went and got Isaiah Gibson, the transfer from the University of Kentucky. We went and got Anthony Watts, transfer from uh, the University of Purdue. We went and got um, Damian Barber, who was at Penn State when I was there before, had transferred to Austin P and now came back to mm, us. Okay. Uh, we went and got a D2 All-American, you know, from Bowie State who led the country or, or probably had 10, 15 sacks, you know, as, as a D2 player. You know, so we created depth different ways. And what that does is those four guys that we just talked about that are doing really well, plus the guys we have coming back, Kobe Cumberlander, a six-year senior, who's probably the, uh, the, the, the elder statesman on our defense, Owen Porter, bringing all those guys back, plus the guys we've added. Now, how much better is our line going to be? You know, how much better are they going to be going in practice? So, right. obviously, it does start up front. Uh, we wanted to create a lot more depth. You know, that's what we were able to do. All right. So, do you have an extra stipulation in your contract, a little bonus maybe for keeping uh, Coach Lance Guidry under control? Yes. It, it's, it's in the fine print um, that the Raging Cajun himself 
uh, from Lake Charles. Um, um, it, we, we have to keep him in a um, non-crawfish <laughs> environment <laughs> yeah. for most of the year. Uh-huh. Um, but, no, you know, Lance has done a phenomenal job. Obviously, Lance being from this area, um, being a head coach, you know, has a lot of experience. You know, and as an offensive guy, you know, I'm not with the defense as much. Mm-hmm. So you want to have a presence in that room that understands being a head coach. And Lance has been that for me. Um, you know, we played really well last year, you know, in spurts. You know, when, when we were healthy, we were good. Um, you know, our pass defense was number two, you know, in the conference or, or country or whatever it was. We were able to, you know, defend the pass well. Um, and, and, again, when we had the guys that should be on the field, on the field, we were really good. Um, and we've got to create more of that so Lance has more uh, options, you know, as we go deeper into the year. All right. So, again, we're speaking with Marshall head football coach Charles Huff. One more question, Coach. Is the key – y'all were picked to finish, what, fourth right in the middle of the Eastern Division, which looks really tough. I mean, you got good programs that, that were picked ahead of you. If y'all are going to maybe get there or maybe even get a little higher in, at the end, is the whole key doing a better job of stopping the run, or what's the key for y'all? No, for us, it's consistency. You know, that, that, that's, that's the, the end-all, be-all. You know, consistency in our preparation, you know, week in and week out. You can't say, well, this team is, is not good or this team is good in this league. Everybody's good. Um, consistency in our execution on Saturday, you know, whether that's stopping the run, whether that's defending the pass, whether that is getting the ball to Rasheen Ali more or less, whether that's other players stepping up to, you know, to uh, help out Henry or Cam or whoever the quarterback is. Um, and then, again, to me, I think the biggest piece for us and what I've learned from coming out of the SEC, West is understanding and managing the week-to-week grind. It's not just, man, we played a good game against Lafayette. Yeah. You turn right around and play Coastal. Yeah. You turn right around and play App. You turn right around and play Georgia State. So managing the week-to-week grind from a player's and a organizational perspective. How do you manage practice? How do you take care of your players? How do you still do the things you need to do from a preparation standpoint but understand that these guys are going to be banging some really physical, tough football players on Saturday afternoon? So that's going to help. You know, help us you know matriculate through the season and hopefully stay healthy and, and also present well week in and week out with a consistent brand of football. Coach, we appreciate your time very much. Thank you very much, and uh, I'm gonna I'll be making my first trip up to Marshall for when we play. I think it's a Wednesday night. Wednesday right? night. Well, Lance would tell you if you're gonna drive to throw some sacks of uh, crawfish in your car. I, I, I'm sure. And um, <laughs> see if you can keep them wet long enough to get them all up to Huntington, so we can throw them in the uh, in the pot when you get there. All right, Coach, I appreciate it very much. Good luck to y'all. Looking forward to playing y'all again this season. Thank Thank you, you guys. Go Herd. All right. Marshall head football coach Charles Huff. No, it's a – for those of you who may not know and may not remember Lance Guidry, who was, you know, from Welsh, played at McNeese, coached coached at Karen Crow High School, was a defensive coordinator at Karen Crow High School, then was later the head coach, is Coach Huff's defensive coordinator in Marshall and – Lance is not short on, as, as we joked about, on opinion or passion. And um, I'm sure he's, they talk quite a bit about South Louisiana up there in, in West Virginia for Marshall. But, no, I, I think it's very possible, very possible, that um, the Cajuns' biggest game this season will be when they go to Marshall this year. And if they can win that game... And then the next week they play South Alabama. Those two games right there, I think, could if the Cajuns are as good as a lot of us think they can be, that that those two back-to-back games, South Alabama, who's picked second in the West, and at Marshall on a Wednesday night, picked fourth in the East. I think that's going to be the key 
to, to the Cajun season this year. But, of course, got a lot of practice and things to take care of before we get to that. All right, let's take a timeout. We'll come back and talk more Sunbelt Conference football on the other side as we talk to you from Sunbelt Conference Media Days on the Kadiana Sports Station, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. Want to know what went down today in New Orleans at Sunbelt Media Days? Not to worry. The game has you covered. Back to more of the game's Sunbelt Media Days coverage. Presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. KDA Sports Station, 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles. want to remind you, you need to join the game clubhouse. It puts you eligible for all kind of great prizes, like $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse or a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House or maybe a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. Um... All you need to do to be joint, be eligible for those great prizes as well as others, such as Astro tickets, you need to go to the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. All right, we've been doing a lot of interviewing, and we'll be doing a lot more tomorrow. But if you want to call in, uh, we have here a couple segments where you could get in, and if you would like to, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. What we've heard interviewing four head coaches today, at least what I've heard, is, yes, uh, all of this transfer portal and transferring part of college athletics, it, there's a downside to it, but there's also a plus to it. And you heard Coach App from Appalachian State, Coach Clark, talk about how they were able to add eight players and, and, and some of them were needed. You heard Coach Huff from Marshall talk about how they needed depth, especially on the defensive line, and they were able to go out and get some depth and get a starting quarterback. The um, Coach Signetti, obviously, I mean, look, He's from an old-school college football family. Dad was a coach. Brother's a coach. He's a coach. And they, they, you could, it's pretty obvious that Coach Signetti would prefer college football the way it was before this recent trend. But he went out and got a transfer uh, quarterback. And, look, <coughs> there were um, transfers before. I mean, it's not like transferring just started a couple years ago but um i i think it seems like overall at least the teams on top of the sunbelt conference have done a pretty good job of managing that uh you know it's just appalachian state has such a unique scenario i mean they just really do their support system is tremendous their expectations 
are tremendous. And now they have all these regional rivalries that they can drive to, which Coach Sean Clark talked about. So, man, it, uh, you know, for Appalachian State, there's a whole lot of reasons. And, you know, the Cajuns do, too. I mean, they, you know, I mentioned this once last week. And for those of you who have been around Cajun football for decades, you know about this. But I can remember growing up, 70s, well, more so the 80s to the early 90s, that the Southern Mississippi was the model program. We joked about it. Um, you know, that, that that was what UL football aspired to be. Man, if they could only get to where they were as good as Southern Mississippi. And now this year, Southern Miss is going to be part of the Sunbelt Conference in the Cajuns division. And the Cajuns are, uh, you know, let's be honest, higher up on the totem pole right now. And how ironic that is that they, they finally in the same football conference as Southern Miss and the Cajuns are, are the defending conference champion and Southern Miss is still trying to kind of find his way and get back to that former dominance. So very interesting the way all of that played out. But, I mean, what a great – like in baseball, it's going to be a great rivalry. I mean, it, it, it's going to be really good. And, and, you know, I've never been to a football game. Southern Miss in Hattiesburg, and the Cajuns are going to get that opportunity this year. That rivalry is going to get rekindled pretty quickly, I think, on the football side as well. And, and look, the Cajuns have been playing Troy ever since they came into the conference, but they're going to be now in the West, in the West Division. So a lot of very interesting things to, to consider um, in the Sun, as we look forward to the Sunbelt Conference race. All right, let's go to the game hotline and talk to Ron. Hello. Hello, thanks for taking the call. I just wanted to repeat pretty much what you were saying. I was excited when Southern Miss uh, got into the conference because that was um, I was somebody we we tried to mirror ourselves with a long time ago. I was actually uh, in Mississippi at the time when uh, Southern Miss was one of the better programs to see at that time. You know? So it's be exciting to see UL start playing them again, and uh, that's pretty much all I have. That foot. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. No, that that. Look, back in that era, the Cajuns, you know, I remember Cajuns won a game, beat them like 14-13 one day, and it seemed like they had another game when they might have won like 13-7 to uh, at Cajun Field. Uh, the Cajuns lost a game one year to um, Brett Favre and Michael Jackson hit a touchdown pass on the last play of the game. Uh, a lot of competitive games, and, and the Cajuns won a few of them. Uh, at Cajun Field, but when they went to Hattiesburg in that era, almost every game, I mean, they would get beat 32 to 3. I mean, like 34 to 6, and them just thumped, thumped, except for that one game. And I, I remember, I don't know, four or five years ago, we were doing some sort of contest or something, and I had to rank my all-time Cajun victories. And I don't remember, I either put it one or two, might have been one, where I think the all-time, this was probably before the Iowa State win. I guess a lot of people would say the Iowa State upset. But I put the Mike LeMoyne um, field goal when the Cajuns went to Southern Miss and finally won because it just for a while there just didn't even seem possible. Like it just didn't even seem possible for a while. Every time they went to Southern Miss just got thrashed. And uh, so, you know, great memory there. 
Um, the, well, I think that was Brian's senior year, maybe. Coach Signetti talked about being at Rice and losing to two to Cajuns when Brian Mitchell was a quarterback. But I think it was Brian's senior year, and they went to Hattiesburg and, and hit a big pass at the end of the game. Maybe to, I think it was Corey Williams, if I remember correctly. And, and then Mike hit a 50-yard field goal to win the game uh, as a, you know, out of Lafayette High and has been a coach in the area for a long time, <clears throat> a high school coach in the area for a long time. So it's great, great memory. And so, no, that, that's some of the rivalries. You know, when Coach Clark was on, he was talking about him as a player remembering going to Marshall and um, going to Georgia Southern and, and playing those games. And he remembers a game against older, um, James Madison. So no, I, I think that the rivalry part of Sunbelt Conference is about is going to get even better, uh, and I think it, it has been one of the things that's been lacking. Uh, fortunately, the Cajuns and App have developed a a pretty nice rivalry, but again, that's a long way, you know, Boone, North Carolina, to Lafayette. But uh, adding Southern Miss is going to help, and we'll we'll get a little more information about Southern Miss tomorrow on the western part of it. All right, so. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. Like we talked about, today and tomorrow is going to be almost all Sunbelt Conference football talk. And that's just, you know, it's it's Sunbelt Conference media day, so that makes sense. But, got it, you know, another indication last night just how crazy things have been late for the Astros. You know, y'all worried. Y'all worry, what are you going to do coming out, you know, going into the playing the New York teams for 11 straight days. <clears throat> so what do they do? They go 9-2, and two, should have been 11-0. and 0. Oh, no, you're coming out of the All-Star break. And you've got um, got to play a doubleheader against the Yankees, and then you got to play – uh, a three-game series at Seattle, the hottest team in the league. So what do they do? Go 5-0. and What do they do after that? Go to Oakland and get their clocks clean. Now, Odorizzi got crushed by Tony Kemp. Tony Kemp. What did he have last night? Like 11 total bases in one game? This is a guy who's... Slugging percentage was not really high going into that game. Not high at all. Um, and they got crushed by Tony Kemp. Tony Kemp. A singles hitter at best. And he's just crushing home runs and doubles off the wall in center. It's just unbelievable. All of a sudden, the A's have turned into the Royals. Can't get them out. Uh, you know, they lost two out of three to Oakland last weekend at home. But most of that was just poor defense. And and Oakland took advantage of it. Well, last night they went out and just crushed Odorizzi. And then they got Frankie Montas, their best pitcher, pitching today. And they don't normally score a whole lot of runs off of Frankie. So, uh, you know, unless they step up and wake up against the A's, it's very possible that they're going to lose two straight series to the A's. Just craziness. Just, but again, that's baseball. I mean, it's just, um, it, it's crazy. On the Saints front, I heard um, what Raymond was talking about a little earlier. Jordan Howard, yeah. 
I mean, he's a veteran. He's physical. Um, certainly not against it. I don't know as far as <clears throat> catching the ball out of the backfield as good as like a David Johnson or some of these other backs that the Saints have looked at. But he certainly can handle his, his way, you know, in, the, in between the tackles, which, you know, again, that's kind of what I've been saying they need, a guy who can keep 41 from having to be a dump truck and let him continue to be a Z28. Um, and, and, and so we'll see. Again, I'm not ultra picky. I know a couple of these guys, I'm like, man, I don't really want that guy, or yeah, I like that guy. I'm really not ultra picky here. They just need a veteran running back. And if they – you're at, at the point where – you got to trust them. I mean, obviously, they have a pretty good idea what they're looking for. And if Jordan Howard ends up being the guy they get, I mean, probably wouldn't have been my first choice. But, uh, you know, he fits the bill. Uh, you know, I'm certainly not going to gonna squabble over it. We'll wait and see. He's not the first one. They've had a lot of running backs in. And, um the fact that they keep bringing in veteran running backs shows that they agree with me and a lot of you that they need one. It also shows that there are a lot of options at that position. It's not just one or two guys, oh, you didn't get them, oh, now you're in trouble. It's really not that at all. There are obviously a lot of options, and there's guys they haven't even brought in yet that could be. An option. The first guy that I mentioned was Devontae Booker. I haven't even heard his name. So obviously, uh, either they haven't gotten to him yet or he's not really on their radar because his name did not come up. Uh, he's a guy that I think can be a short term solution, and we'll see how that plays out. But no, the Jordan Howard name is interesting. Just to take a, a glance at it's interesting, and, and, it, and it could solve the need. But again, Forget which coach it was. Um, Might have been Coach Elliott. But uh, we're talking about when they were looking for a quarterback. They needed – no, it was Coach Clark. He was talking about he, he was challenging his, his position coaches to where if you're going to get this transfer, that's fine, but he better fit in. He better not be someone who – um, comes in and, and creates a stir and, and causes some, um, you know, camaraderie issues among your team and in the locker room and, and be kind of a cancer in the locker room. He better not be that guy. And so, again, uh, you don't always know that. Some guys talk a good game, and then when they show up, they're, they act differently than what portrayed in an interview or a weekend visit. But um, – Again, you have the Saints have a certain culture. Just because Casper the Quitter left the program, the organization doesn't mean that that culture is totally gone. So you kind of have to trust them. That whether it's Jordan Howard or David Johnson or whatever, you know, different running backs that they brought in, Daryl Williams and Sony Michelle, all the different running backs they brought in, you got to kind of have to trust them that they can pick the right ones, and we'll see how that plays out. But, no, another interesting name to chew on. No question there. So, yeah, we could, um, we're about to take a timeout, and then we'll, we will have one more 
segment to finish out today's show. And if you have, if you would like to get a call in, we might be able to get that in. If not, we will um, be heading out to get uh, in the show and then see the rest of Sunbelt Conference Media Days. Tomorrow's program, we'll be able, we'll be talking to the West coaches and be able to tell you a little more about what is said by the East coaches today at the podium, which has begun. Um, and so looking forward to getting to hear some of that after the show. But for right now, we'll take a timeout, come back, finish out today's show from Sunbelt Conference Media Days at the Sheridan downtown New Orleans on Canal Street. We'll be back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers. Just because we're in New Orleans doesn't mean we don't want to hear from you. Call the game hotline at 337-706-0111 or comment on our Facebook page. Back to more of the game Sunbelt Media Days coverage presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Again, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Astros will play again tonight in Oakland, see if they can beat the, the pesky A's. All of a sudden, become a real problem. Lost to them uh, once in a, what, three series ago and kind of gave a game away and then got beat two out of three by Oakland last weekend and now got crushed last night um, in game one of this series. But you can hear that game, 841st pitch tonight right here on 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles. Again, tomorrow we'll be talking more Western Conference, Western Division, I should say. Football of the Sunbelt Conference the Cajuns will be topping it off. We'll get to talk to Coach Dez and the players that they bring uh, here. And last year, one of the interviews we did was with Kane Womack, and he was the coach at South Alabama, and they had a little bit of a disappointing finish to the season where they lost their last four in a row and finished five and seven. And uh, they still are looking for that first winning season. And it looks like a lot of people around the conference, other coaches anyway, think that uh, Coach Womack and the Jaguars are going to be able to kind of make that push and, and get to the top of um, kind of make that turn. And, and they were picked sec. They had two teams, two coaches picked them to win the division. And overall they were picked to finish second in the division. Uh, and again, they, they on the line of scrimmage, they're fine. It's just about can they um, finish games? Can they avoid late game mistakes in the kicking game like they did when the Cajuns were down there? Can they avoid uh, the secondary uh, kind of blowing up in the second half of a game like they did against Monroe and so and, and losing that game? And so we'll see how how that plays out and, and if South Alabama can make that next step or if Troy, a team that a lot of people feel like have been underachieving in recent years. One of the coaches we talked to today, we talked about Troy's pretty good. Oh, he said, you don't have to tell me that. 
<laughs> he was Coach Huff. He's like, oh, you don't have to tell me that. Uh, they, they, you know, people know how dangerous Troy is. And so I think while, like we talked about earlier, while a lot of all these programs have some question marks, um, the, the West is more of a, you got teams like Troy and South Alabama and Texas State who feel like they're about to turn the corner after some rough stretches in recent years. They feel like they're close. You know, Coach Spavital in um, at Texas State, I think it's his fourth year. And, you know, it's kind of, well, you know, he, he's taking this unique approach where he doesn't recruit high school players. You heard Coach Clark earlier in the first hour of the show talk about how they still believe in recruiting and developing high school players. Well, at Texas State, they've done the exact – they haven't recruited any high school players the last two years. They've got nothing but transfers, and you know, junior college transfers, other transfers. So they, they haven't been recruiting high school players. They haven't been signing high school players. They've just been signing all these players. And, you know, it's a tough – it's tough to build a program that way to me. It really is. To me, it's tough to build a, uh, you know, the camaraderie that you need that way. And I think they've had that trouble. But, again, it's about, with them, it's about avoiding turnovers. And um, they played the Cajuns better, was it two years ago, than they had played the Cajuns uh, had ever seen, except for they couldn't avoid the turnover. And mistakes in the kicking game and not avoiding the turnover, and the Cajuns were able to get way more big plays than they could overcome. And so we'll talk more about that again tomorrow and see how the West shakes out. But uh, the line, uh, again, new quarterbacks is a major theme so far. We talked about that with, um, with uh, James Madison. We talked about that with Marshall. Uh, we met, you know, mentioned Southern Miss is dealing with that. We talk, obviously the Cajuns are dealing with that. So that that's going to be a major theme as the Sunbelt Conference race unfolds. Who has the new quarterbacks and how do those new quarterbacks adjust and can they eliminate the mistakes? And um, Again, my, we're going to talk about this a lot over the next two months or six weeks on this show. Levi Lewis was a great leader, and besides his leadership, the number one thing that he did was not turn over to football. And I remember asking Coach Clark that. I think it was the last question I asked him, the value of not turning over the football. And he put that as number one for a quarterback. It's great to make plays. You want to make plays. But the number one thing as a quarterback, not be a leader and not turn over to football. And we'll see if Woolrich – and our fields can do that for the Cajuns this year. All right, well, that wraps it up for today's show. Day one of the Sunbelt Conference Media Day. Day two will be tomorrow. We'll be talking with a lot more familiar faces, Cajuns, other team from the Western Division. All right, we'll see. Hopefully the Astros can beat the A's. Appreciate all those coming on, and y'all have a nice day.